0: We're now returning to our sermon series on the epistles of John. So please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. You can find it in the chair Bibles around you on page 1023. John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist and the spirit of error let's pray heavenly father ever since the garden when satan spoke there to eve and adam your people have been surrounded by and attacked by lying voices by voices claiming to know the truth and god's will lord we pray that you will give us your spirit of wisdom this morning that we might discern according to your word who are teachers from you and who are teachers from the devil strengthen our faith in christ this morning that we might overcome shine the light of your truth now as we open up your word for in your light do we see light amen don't believe everything you hear I wish I would have applied that little nugget of wisdom when I was about ten years old. There was a, a neighbor kid uh, that we occasionally played with. Uh, he came. He stopped by uh, one day, and uh, and and he told us that uh, under under the brick of the patio of our hundred-year-old house, that that someone a long time ago had hidden some money under under those bricks. Well, this initially sounded too good to be true. Uh, but eventually curiosity just got the best of us uh, and uh, sometime after he had left we uh, uh, took a shovel and, and proceeded to pull up some of the bricks and guess what we found dirt <laughs> that's it so don't believe everything you hear uh, the, that negative wisdom it, it's taken other forms as well uh, like uh, like don't believe everything you hear you see or uh, don't believe everything you read on the internet Uh, This piece of wisdom, it's as least as old as King Solomon, who wrote something very similar in Proverbs chapter 14. He says there, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. The simple believes everything. In other words, don't believe everything you hear. The Apostle John here in his first epistle applies this wisdom to testing for false teachers. Uh, He says this here in verse 1, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. John says that even in his day, at the very beginning of Christianity, many false prophets and false teachers had gone out into the world contorting the truth about Jesus. Well, when we look at our own day today, we see that not much has changed, right? In fact, things have gotten even worse. False prophets were common in the Old Old Testament. They were common in the days of the apostles. And they are running rampant today here in America and around the world. In 1965, Walter Martin wrote his classic book, The Kingdom of the Cults. It's a book that's uh, been continually updated since then. He begins the book by saying this of America, It has been said of the United States that it is the great melting pot for the people of the world. And the contents of that pot would not be complete unless it also included the religions of those masses that now make up the populace of America. America is the melting pot of cultures and ethnicities and religions and ideas. And because of that, and because of the freedoms that we have, it's uh, America has become a breeding ground of cults. I'm thankful for the religious freedoms we have in our country, but with those freedoms have come the unrestrained invention and unhindered multiplication of false teachings. Here in America, has, uh, there has been birthed a great number of, of different cults. Uh, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Christian Science, one is Oneness, Pentecostals uh, and dozens of other heretical groups have, have been birthed in our country and then exported to the world. Now false teachers can, they can often be a lot more subtle than these well-known cults, and, and it can often take a lot of testing and careful thinking to, to eventually expose a false prophet or a false teacher. So the Apostle John helps us. He gives us some help. In this passage, he not only uh, gives us a command and a warning about false teachers, but he also gives us two tests. Uh, He gives us a speech test and a hearing test. John also does not leave us to just live in fear of false teachers, but he gives us a gospel promise that we can rest in as we avoid and combat false teaching. This morning I'll be using the terms false prophet and false teacher uh, interchangeably, uh, though there are some nuances between the two. Uh, but everything that we have to say about one is, it really applies to the other today. Let's begin by first looking in more depth at John's command and warning in verse 1. In this verse we see uh, a negative command of what we're not supposed to do, followed by a positive command of what we are to do. And then those commands are grounded in a warning about how pervasive false teachers are. Let's consider the negative command, do not believe every spirit. The Christian life is is marked by faith, by, by belief. But it's not a belief in just anything and everything. It's a faith that consists of truth from God and not from other sources. Here John uses the word spirit, do not believe every spirit. So what does he mean here by, by spirit? He uses the word spirit eight times in, in these six verses, uh, and, and I believe that he uses, I believe that he uses it uh, three different ways. Uh, here John, I believe he's either referring to either spiritual be- beings like demons, or he's referring to, to human beings. And I, I, I think that John's referring to human beings here. Uh, but he, he uses the word spirit to remind us that humans have a spiritual component. And therefore, we are able to be influenced by spiritual beings. For example, we see in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, that false teachers are influenced by demons. It says this, Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Teachings of demons. So, demons can teach and deceive, and they do that through people, through false teachers. So we don't want to be ignorant of the influences of the spiritual realm. We shouldn't believe every person because people can be influenced by satanic forces. Satan's been lying from the beginning, and there are no signs of him stopping. It just works too well. This negative command is then followed up with a a positive one of what we are to do. We are to test the spirits to see if they are from God. We aren't left to just merely guess if somebody is a false teacher or not. We have God-given litmus tests. God has called His people to be testers, to be wisely and appropriately skeptical. And next week's passage, it's all about love. You know, it's the famous "God is love" passage, and it talks about uh, loving one another. And so, love is that that chief mark of of a Christian. But being loving people does not mean that we just we just believe everyone and question nothing. We are to be lovers and testers, to be fervent in love and wise of mind, or to be people of head and heart. John then gives us two tests to use to help us discern between teachers from God and teachers from the world. Now, The first test is a speech test, a test of what a teacher confesses. Now, when I say the word confess, I I don't mean confessing sin and apologizing, but rather to confess something in this context means uh, to say what you believe. Let's read verses 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Let's first consider what this doctrinal test was in John's day and why it worked then, and then we'll consider what a doctrinal test looks like uh, in our day today. We see here that the speech test that John is giving his readers is a doctrinal test that focuses specifically on who Jesus is. John says that a teacher is teaching by the Spirit of God if he teaches that Jesus was the Christ and that he had come in the flesh. Now, at first glance, that may seem like that this doctrinal test seems too brief and too simple. But as we look at it, we can see uh, that this test worked for the main false teachings that John was writing against, uh, in in the days of early Christianity, uh, specifically the false teachings of Docetism and Gnosticism. So what are what are those two false teachings? Uh, Douglas O'Donnell uh, says this in his commentary. This creed is the death of Docetism, the belief that Jesus only appeared to have a body. So it looked like he had a body, but it actually didn't. That's Docetism. Uh, and Gnosticism the belief that physical matter is evil. So if the physical world is evil, then if Jesus put on our flesh, then that means he was partaking in evil. He was putting on evil, and so he, he would be evil. So, uh, so this creed is the death of Gnosticism, Gnosticism and a hundred other heresies. Uh, if we think about it, this, this creed here, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, would also go against Judaism because it confesses that Jesus is the Christ that the scriptures prophesied about. So though this is a simple doctrinal test, only focused on the doctrine of Christ, it was what the Christians that John was writing to needed to fight against the main heresies that they were uh, encountering of their day. Now as we jump 2,000 years to our day, uh, we see that a lot of new heresies have sprung up over 2,000 years and uh, more will be in- invented and, and many will just be repackaged. So what does a doctrinal test look like today? Well, an expansion of heresies implies an expansion of doctrinal tests. And at the same time, in the same time of expanding doctrinal tests and seeing all these different heresies, we also need to keep in mind at the same time that not everything is a heresy. Uh, there, something might be taught that's not true about God's word, uh, and so it might be wrong, and it might hurt people, but that doesn't mean that that person is a heretic, an antichrist, or a false teacher. So how do we distinguish between doctrines that are that are heretical, And doctrines that are wrong, but they just wouldn't make someone a false teacher. How do we discern between the two? Well, I think a very helpful way to begin to distinguish between doctrines is to categorize them into three different groups. Uh, Some people categorize them into two different groups. I prefer three. There are first-order doctrines, second-order doctrines, and third-order doctrines. First-order doctrines are are the primary doctrines of the Christian faith. Uh, Dr. L. Muller says this that they that, that these doctrines are are most central and essential to the Christian faith. These are doctrines that if, if someone denies them, I mean they're so core to the Christian faith that that, that, that would be heresy. And the likelihood of, of genuine Christian faith for one who denies any of these first order sort of doctrines is very slim these core primary doctrines include what we believe about the trinity about Jesus being fully God and fully man about justification by faith alone and in Christ alone the authority of scripture the bodily return of Christ the sinfulness of man the substitutionary atonement of Christ for us God's judgment of all men and a proper view of obedience to God's law in the Christian life. So, so not legalism and not lawlessness, but rather a, a proper view of calling Christians to obedience. Now, in order to be saved, we, we don't need to have a perfect understanding of all of these primary doctrines. I mean, after all, if you think about it, like none of us have a perfect understanding of, of the, the mysteries of the Trinity. So in the year 2022, if a, if a teacher teaches something against these primary doctrines or, or they're making prophetic claims about the future that, that don't come true, then we can safely say that they are not from God. Yeah. Otherwise, if, if they do affirm uh, these, these core primary doctrines with us, then we can believe that they are brother or sister in Christ. There are millions of Christians that agree with us on these first-order doctrines across many, many denominations. And that's something that we should rejoice in. That's that's, that's a really good thing. That's a beautiful thing. We are not an isolated cult that believes that only people who are saved are people within our church, within our denomination. So those are first-order doctrines. Then there are second-order doctrines. Al Mohler says this, of these, that uh, that they are distinguished from the first-order set by the fact that believing Christians may disagree on the second-order issues, though this disagreement will create significant boundaries between believers. So these doctrines, these are ones that that, that don't fit John's litmus test. Uh, we must not use them to test if someone is is not saved or 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 or, or a false teacher. Now that's not to say that these second order doctrines are not important. They they really are. They they have significant impact on 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 uh, on how we worship and how we live the Christian life. So what are some examples of second order doctrines? Well, here's a few uh, beliefs about the mode and recipients of baptism. Beliefs about the Lord's Supper, about spiritual gifts, Calvinism and Arminianism, men's and women's roles in the home and at church, views on creation and evolution, and beliefs about covenant theology or dispensationalism. Now, these are just a, a few examples, uh, and and if you're familiar with any of these uh, theologies and ideas. Uh, you can begin to see why they're important and why different denominations have formed uh, because of differing, differing views of them. So differing views on, on these issues don't necessarily make someone a false teacher. But let me make a very important qualification. If someone teaches that a second or a third order doctrine is actually a first order doctrine, that you, you must believe... It, it, how they believe it to be in order to be saved, then our, they are a false teacher. We are not saved based on our view of, say, baptism, Calvinism, and Arminianism, covenant theology, dispensationalism. That is not why we are saved. That's an adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, let's let's not treat those who differ from us on these second order doctrines as if as if they aren't saved or as if they're false teachers. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And and we will worship with them forever. So it's very important for us to, to, to link arms with them, link hands with them in appropriate ways and, and engage in, in, in peaceful unity. Not without discussion obviously, but 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 in but in unity. In peace. Then there are third-order doctrines. Now, in brief, these are doctrines that Christians disagree on, but they're not as important. And and you can usually find a variety of opinions about them, uh, even within a local church, and a lot of times even among pastors and elders of the same church. Uh, Beliefs about eschatology, like like on the millennium, uh, worship music styles, preaching styles, views on old earth versus young earth, uh, views on finances. Uh, these would be some examples of third-order doctrines. So I find it very helpful to, to categorize uh, uh, these doctrines in, with with these three different categories, not only for discerning false teachers, but also for unity, for helping cultivate unity with uh, with other Christians, with Christians around the world. Now, I've encountered some Bible teachers who are intentionally vague about what they believe. It's hard to do John's speech test on them because they don't have clear statements about what they believe, about the most core beliefs about Christianity. Maybe they never teach on on doctrine and they just give self-help talks that reference God and Jesus occasionally. Well, I think it would be wise to say that if you can't do a doctrinal test on a teacher... I don't know, then maybe you should likely steer clear of them. Beware of teachers who will not give clear statements of faith. Beware of teachers who who would just merely point you to their, their, their books and their other media to just find out what they believe instead of offering clear, open statements of truth. Brothers and sisters, God is calling us to be discerning. To be discerning like the Bereans of Acts 17. When Paul and Silas came and taught the Bereans, they didn't just believe whatever they said, even though the apostle Paul was was there and he's he's teaching as an apostle. But the Bereans, they they checked what he taught them with scriptures. It says there that, that they were examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So this year, in 2022, let's read our Bibles regularly and closely. And let's be Bereans. Let's be Bereans when, when Pastor Chris teach, preaches and teaches, and when I teach and preach, be Bereans. Open your Bibles as we preach. Think carefully about what we say. Test us. I, I love that in, in the PCA, in our in our denomination, that I have accountability, doctrinal accountability, not only from the congregation, but also from the session, and from, the, from, from a presbytery of elders, uh, which, which makes up teaching elders who have the same level of training, if not more training than I do, and also uh, accountability from the general assembly of the whole church. And that's a lot of testing. Now, there's no perfect denomination or church government that can just completely keep out and instantly purge all false teachers. Our denomination is not completely pure. But I'm really thankful for what the PCA has. And and I think it's very wise to have these tests and, and checks and balances and accountability. It helps protect the gospel from corruption, the sheep from wolves, and the pastors from false accusations. So as we test for false teachers, let's be Bereans and let's let's not let's not do do this alone. Let's do this together. In 1 John four, John says says when, when John says you, he's using a plural pronoun. He's he's speaking to a congregation. He wants them to test together. So let's talk with each other about about what we're listening to, who we're reading. If you've got questions about a pastor or a theologian a Christian artist talk to an elder or pastor or someone else who who can help you get a good sense if if this person is is worth listening to so let's test the spirits together let's be Bereans together so John gives us a speech test and then in verses 5 and 6 he gives us a hearing test that we can use so look with me at verses 5 and 6 They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There are two aspects to this uh, hearing test. First, who is listening to these teachers? And second... Who are these teachers listening to? Are they listening to us? Are they listening to the apostles? In verse 5, we see that false prophets and false teachers are from the world. They were born from the world, they were raised and taught by the world, and they've been sent out by the world to do its antichrist mission, whether they know that or not. So it only makes sense that false teachers speak worldly things, and the world listens to them, they understand what they're saying, and they affirm them. So as you observe a professing Christian teacher, also observe who is listening to them and agreeing with them. If the world loves them, then they may be saying something uh, to tickle their ears. And that's a, that's a warning sign to us that perhaps this teacher isn't from God, but rather could very well be a sheep in wolves' clothing. Wolves don't listen to sheep, but wolves will listen to a wolf in sheep's clothing. In verse 6, John says that we can test for false teachers by seeing if they listen to us, to other Christians who hold to the teaching of the apostles. There's no such thing as a true teacher of God who is not a listener to God's people. A teacher who is not listening to others or studying others is on the fast track to becoming a false teacher. False teachers say that they believe the Bible, but they're often slow to associate themselves with others, with those who have been recognized as being doctrinally sound. It's very telling to find out who a a teacher's favorite theologian is uh, or or pastor or, or, or author. If they never talk about anyone that they're following, well, that's, that's a red flag. Or if their teachers, they're, the people they're following, if, if, if they are false teachers, well then, yeah, that's a, that's a clear red flag too. Teachers, are, teachers from God are listeners to God's people. Beware those who are innovative or always... Producing new doctrine, new teaching, who who claim that they have finally found the right gospel, the pure gospel, who claim that they have uncovered the secrets of spiritual power and abundant vitality for the Christian life, that they've come to truths that have just been suppressed for centuries. Beware of teachers who have no doctrinal accountability from anyone. Beware of those who aren't accountable to anyone because they're so famous, they're so wealthy, they're so rich, they're so influential that nobody can question them or hold them accountable. Teachers from God are listeners to God's people. And teachers from God are ignored and hated by the world. Martin Luther put it this way. He says, when we speak from the Spirit of God... The majority snore. The world isn't listening to us. It, it isn't listening to true test teachers of God. Well, there are other tests for false teachers in the Bible. Uh, one I briefly want to mention is that there's a holiness test that Jesus mentions as well. He says that you'll know them by, by their fruits. A person can confess all the right doctrine, but bear no fruit of repentance, obedience, and holiness. They can say one thing with their mouth, but their heart is far from God. And they live a hypocritical life of sin. Let's pray for God's spirit of wisdom to help us test and discern the the many, many voices around us that, they, that say, that claim, that they speak God's will. So far in this passage, we've considered the serious warning about false teachers. But John doesn't, uh, doesn't just leave us with a warning. He also gives his people a promise. Look at verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. here is a promise for the fearful for those who feel intimidated by, by false teachers, by the by the vast, uh, the vast uh, amount of, of different uh, doctrines out there for those who, who, are, who are afraid that they, they just they don't know enough doctrine or they don't know the right arguments or, or, or they haven't studied apologetics enough to combat false teachers toe to toe. Well, have no fear, brothers and sisters. You not only will overcome them, but it says here that you already have overcome them. Because God is in you. Why do we conquer? What's our power to win? It's because something is greater, more dominant than Satan and false teachers. So what's greater? Is it us? Is it our strength? Is it our ability to, to have all these perfect arguments against everything? No. It is God in us. God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us, teaching us what is true according to His Word, and guarding us with faith. Let me close with 1 John 5, 4-5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Then you have overcome and you will overcome. Let's hold on to this promise and go forth now without fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us your Son, that he has come in the flesh to become one of us, to take the penalty for our sin, and that you sent your Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to 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 protect us on this road of faith, to, to draw us near to Christ. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would protect this congregation from false teaching and false prophets lord give each one of us here the spirit of wisdom the ability to test and to discern uh, who false teachers are uh, lord we uh, we we ask lord that in, in in this day and age when when uh, when false teaching is is uh, more accessible than than at any other time before we ask that that you would protect us with your holy spirit Help us grow in understanding your word and and, and sound doctrine. And so, Lord, we ask uh, for your mercy and grace uh, in this. Help us to be Bereans and to, to do this effort together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.